Oh yes, it's happy times and places in which that tedious bloke who's on all the DVDs wangs on in a positive way about an episode of Doctor Who. He has a guest who's chosen his... Why am I saying he? It's me. I've got a guest who's chosen positive things and I need to choose the positive things too. Hello. Uh, my name's Stephen Hatcher. Uh, I'm the uh, coordinator of the Hoover's Doctor Who group based in Derby. And for the last 11 years, uh, I've been the organiser of the Hooverville Convention. Uh, and for the last couple of years, we've also been organising Big Finish Day in conjunction with our friends at Big Finish. Toby, what I've got for you is the Sea Devils. Well, hello, everybody. I hope you're in a happy time and place. I'm watching Doctor Who and the Sea Devils with Steve Hatcher of the Derby Hoovers, uh, who organises conventions and is an all-round lovely fellow. He has a bit of a, a naval connection. Uh, his, his dad was a man of the sea. I have no such connection whatsoever. All I have are my childhood memories of first the book, then the bootleg, then the 1992, something like that, repeat. Uh, and now just the fact that it's, you know, part of the whole great tapestry of classic who and the monsters themselves have recently been revisited in Legend of the Sea Devils. Um, so, uh, you know, they're very much in the air, which smells uh, of, uh, of uh, salt water and... Uh, reptilian flesh um so look uh, steve chose the sea fort for episode one i chose the clangers uh, let's see if we can be in accord uh, i just have to i'm watching on Britbox where it did that odd slightly odd thing with episode two where it started doing it very slowly so i'm going to start it from the beginning again uh and we are going to press play or select or whatever you would like to do in three Two, one. Here we go. Um, I love this title sequence. Uh, and there was something lovely about when when these were repeated, because of course when you got them on on bootlegs, you know that the, certainly the first couple of seconds was very, you know, it was never very clean cut, and the colours always went a bit everywhere because the title sequence is very colourful. You know that was that was you know one of the the, the least good quality. Uh, parts of this road but you didn't really care because you know the title sequence was the title sequence but then actually when it's repeated uh and you and you see that opening those reds so vivid and not bleeding and and in such good quality you go oh oh hang on this is going to look fresh and newly minted and it and it does so yes here's declan mulholland uh jabba the hut uh i remember that i first saw the humanoid jabba the hut there was a program in the daytime about star wars i can't can't remember and it showed the clip and it was probably before i'd even seen the film actually because i was quite late to the film i saw return of the jedi first in the cinema and had to wait for the others to come on the telly um and i saw this clip of harrison ford with with a, a you know a larger bloke and he was jabba the hut and it was only you know discovered later reading what what happened and that declan was cast as a a human jabba the hut uh uh, and that scene wasn't used, and then, you know, it's used in the special edition, but uh, Declan is CGI'd out. So he's... Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a piece of Star Wars history without appearing in Star Wars. Um, didn't stop him appearing at conventions, though. Um, he died on a train, I believe. Um, 
and I think he was a quite a man of the of the theatre. Um, uh, Hugh talks about him, I think, in the in, in the interview. I think, yeah. And he's also he's of course Till in uh, the Androids of Tara. He's the sort of you know hunchback servant uh, uh, in in the Androids of Tara, which is very much a, a part up his street. Uh, and he's also in. Uh, uh, Quatermass, the uh, Houston films, 1979, where he plays a sort of guard uh, at a television studio. Uh, I know he cropped up, and I remember seeing him in the Britass Empire. You know, he was still he was still working and going strong when when this was being repeated. You know, he was uh, he was still very much of the the acting landscape, and uh, he's uh, you know he's a very recognisable face and a very welcome actor. And he's the person that coins the term sea devil which even in legend of the sea devils uh you know even though in this episode they got great pains to go all these names we use for them are wrong and even the name they come up with i i believe the eocenes is still scientifically wrong but sea devils is a, is a bit of a pejorative term isn't it and i quite like in legend of the sea devils how you know its rejoinder is to call us land parasites because um, I, I love the fact that Pertwee, Pertwee is such a gent because um, he, he greets the Silurian, doesn't he, and Doctor and the Silurians by trying to shake his hand. Uh, and, uh, and there is something charming about... I know sometimes Pertwee can be a little bit, you know, establishment figure and all that sort of thing, but, but that goes hand in hand with, you know, old school, old world etiquette that, yes, it, uh, you know, pr probably has its, um, you know, its roots in... All, a lot of bad things like you know empire and the fact that you know the establishment have good manners to to, to hide some you know to, to cover up for some of the terrible things that go under underneath the surface but i think i don't think that's unique to the british establishment um uh, i i i nonetheless whilst accepting oh look at that brilliant uh, the, the, the angle of the corridor shot just to give us a little bit of disorientation i love it um uh, you know, not to ignore any of the any of the hypocrisies or, or um, contradictions of uh, you know how how we view our past. I I think Pertwee's sort of charm and etiquette and you know the way he he, he addresses people uh, in a proper way and indeed tries to shake their hand and and there you know with the with the sea devil he. He, he, he reacts with shock but maintains his composure to try and go I, I want to help you um, uh, is 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 not only a, a wonderful you know arresting juxtaposition um, you know strange alienness uh, confronted with English unflappability um, but but also you know it's it sums up the doctor that he you know he won't be put off by something that is odd and that is different and will maintain his composure and and uh, you know try to negotiate the peaceful solution this is brilliantly shot brilliantly lit well done mike jeffries um and all the, uh, and and yeah just this of course we can't see the winner that all of that sound the the, the smashing of the window is great uh, the, i love the sea devil's cry which you also get um when when it's uh, going across the minefield in in episode four don't you i love that i love that sort of throaty alien uh cry um because you don't often we don't often hear aliens sort of scream because it 
it undermines their scariness. But it, it is quite sort of strange. I always liked it when I dis, you know when I discovered that the sixties Daleks would sort of cry out in pain or whatever, which which you know my Daleks had never done, and it, it and it, it seemed you know oh crikey, um, very you know very unsettling and odd. And I like it when Doctor Who is odd and weird and. And this is all charming. I, I, I mean, I've barely mentioned the Doctor and Joe. I, I, you know, I love the way they were with the Master in Episode One, where the Doctor is quite compassionate, but also, uh, I think he doesn't shake his hand, does he? And you know, he he, he rejects him. Um, uh, but with but with but with manners, you know. And and I, I I like I love the way that that Joe is with the Master and the way that Joe is with the Doctor. They have such a good uh, relationship. He does. Yes, we know that he occasionally patronizes her and shouts at her. But when they have these sort of moments of charm uh, and often the joke is on the doctor. I mean, the joke is on the doctor here, isn't it? When he tries to when he tries to mend the radio, there's nothing I love more than the doctor tinkering with wires and, try, you know, I, I, I think that the doctor is 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 how we try and get through life you know we we we, we, we you know at, at our at our best you know we 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 have a series of things we we try and make the best of and and quite often end up blowing them up or ruining them but at least we have a bash um <laughs> uh you know that i think a lot of what the, how the doctor behaves is a metaphor for how we guide ourselves through through life if you have a worldview that is one of slightly sort of rueful pessimism as i do <laughs> but you know there's a sense of humor about it um you know there's no point in being pissed off you may as well you may as well have a laugh and and I, you know it's it, it, because of a six party you get the chance to sort of explain and, it, and it's interesting because he says, you know, the, the, the person that named them that, he doesn't go, Dr. Quinn, whom I met uh, at the blah de blah de blah de blah because it doesn't want to get too, you know, bogged. It doesn't want to alienate people to go, ah, oh, I didn't, you know. Now, if you did that, I think you would name check and say the who's and what's. He's much more vague about it because he knows it was a couple of years ago um, and he doesn't need to go to the details. He doesn't need to recall the exact details of Dr. and Silurians because people will only remember sort of it vaguely enough. Um, that's uh, Michael Bryant as the voice going Oscar Bravo Tango um, I think uh, uh, yeah so um, oh so he didn't he didn't actually blow it up for once oh does he blow it up now uh, yes, that's right. He blows it up now. I knew he blew it up at some point. There would be no point in having the doctor do a thing without blowing it up. Yes, he presses the button now. I love that. There's nothing I... <laughs> a Pertwee judges that perfectly. It's a very good comic double take that without without sending it up. I actually believed he was pissed off then. Uh, <laughs> glorious. The, you, you, I'm a sucker I'm a sucker for a, a, a load of wire hanging out the back of a thing and the doctor hopefully... Hopefully, sort of rigging it all up. Clive Morton is. Oh, look at the master in his naval gear. He looks a million dollars. He was such an effortlessly elegant man, wasn't he? What a handsome devil, but a, a darkly handsome devil. You know, there's a menace. There. Apparently, of course, yes, absolutely charming, wonderful. But, but my God, I bet, I bet he looked a million dollars, whatever he dressed in. He just a man of effortless uh, panache uh, and. Uh, 
My brother's like my my brother's only a couple of inches taller than me, if that. But you dress him in you know shirts and a jacket he's got from Oxfam, and he'll and, and he and he and he you know he he d- deports himself well. He's got he's got very good uh, uh, you know gait and uh, uh, comportment. Um, you give me a ten thousand pound suit. I've never been anywhere near a ten thousand pound suit. But if you put me in one, I'd still look like I'd fallen out of a tumble dryer and I'd, I, I, and within minutes I'd get something on it uh, it's, it's, it's one of my you know there's some of that stuff that you can't I don't think and, and, unless you go to finishing school but 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 I think there are certain innate qualities um, that that you know not even not even your genes um, can necessarily dictate because I share a lot of my brother's DNA uh, and yet he uh, yeah he he uh, has has he has style uh, much like Delgado here who I just think looks absolutely terrific and I love this that he salutes they salute him because they think he's the genuine article um, although are naval officers allowed beards yes oh yes they certain I don't know I can't remember that's a time for a podcast where somebody's thought about what they're going to say and I just remember something about isn't there something about Commander Millington in uh uh, the Curse of Fenric, where he's not allowed... He wouldn't really have been allowed a moustache, but they let him have a moustache uh, because they wanted that Hitler image uh, in episode one, which is fantastic, I think. Um, but that's another story. But I've, I'm sure I've seen naval officers with beards. Um, so let's go on to things I do know about rather than... I don't, really don't like it when podcasts go around the houses with something they don't know the answer to because... Well, if I don't know, if you do know it, you're just going, it's this year, dear. And if you don't know it, you're none the wiser. Um, I listened to a podcast the other day where I, and I was yelling at it, going, no, that's not correct. And they and they back and forth for about five minutes. And I thought, oh, cut that out. Uh, I unfortunately cannot cut anything out because uh, you are watching along. Most of you don't watch along, um, do you? But uh, I still have to follow the, the structure of the episode. This is, oh, this is, do you know what? This is so, if Clive Morton wasn't so good, this would be annoying. This could be played for laughs, where 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 Trenchard is a sort of comic bore. But actually, Clive Morton is so sweet, um, and 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 to the extent that you know that that we're used to the Doctor being a bit testy, and that's 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 interesting. Even of itself, it's no surprise to us that our hero is a bit. But you don't you, you know you. You're sort of on Trenchard's side there, but it's when Joe does it as well. Uh, it's it's actually really sad, and you can see sort of why Trenchard ended up where he did. Although actually, of course, he's being cunning. He's deliberately, you know, he's deliberately being a, a bore in order to buy the master some time. But within the lie, within the subterfuge, there is an element of truth, which is sad in itself because he sort of knows he can sort of get away with it. Because deep down, perhaps he knows that he's a uh, he's bought Eric Mason, who's previously been in the Mind of Evil uh, as one of the chief prison officers, um, and another of those sort of actors that you know I'd, I've been kind of unaware of, and then I saw him pop up in the two seventies Doctor Who's and went, oh, okay, this this guy seems to have been around, and then I noticed him pop up in Michael Winner's True Crimes and various other things. Went, oh God, no, he's still around. He was also the the guard in the very first English production of Twelve Angry Men. Um, so, you know, very much a sort of supporting 
cameo player. And yet, you know, turns up has a decent role in the film Hot Fuzz. So, you know, just by just by sticking around and being part of the uh, the, the the furniture, you know, had a had a long old career. Sometimes in coughs and spits, but but you know, sometimes that, that the role he has in Hot Fuzz is pretty decent, and it's a you know, it's a movie. Um, uh, and th- and then I think his death wasn't even listed, but. I, I read it in Doctor Who magazine, but it wasn't reported in a lot of the usual sources. But anyway, he, uh, yeah, he had a good old career, but had kind of, I'd kind of missed the boat with him um, until, until watching these stories for the second or third time. You know, went, oh yeah, okay, him, yeah. Um, but he was, he was always around. Good for him. Uh, and I like the fact that he, he doesn't get hypnotized by the master. There, he. Uh, you know, I think it's good that it sometimes makes it difficult for the for the master. Um, you know, it shows that not not just anybody can do it, and that even he has to sort of improvise within the situation. There's a lot of people not returning handshakes in this, but <laughs> uh, yeah, Clive Clive Morton as Trenchard, I think, is absolutely lovely, and that's. Uh, but Joe is not uncompassionate there. Um, and <laughs> Pert was always slightly close to losing his temper, but um, which again, as I understand it, is not is not you know he he could be quite testy in in real life, but I do think that gives his doctor a bit of an edge, and it is of course softened by by Joe, um, well spotted Joe, who this is being a good very good story for at the moment. Um, oh yeah, but she, you know of course the initial reaction is that she gets dismissed. Are told to be quiet. And and I like the fact that the doctor accepts her at her word rather than goes, Oh you silly girl, it won't have been the master. Yeah, he he com- completely accepts it. But that's that's why Captain Hart is quite useful because you don't want the doctor being sceptical of Joe because that would take the sort of patronising thing a little bit too far and it would be annoying. It would be an annoying delay to the story. But what it means is that, the you know, the doctor and Joe are on the same page but they have to now convince Captain Hart and that we're completely, you know, we're completely bought into that. Um, so the music uh, is not as, you know, it's not as prominent in some places, not as jarring as I thought it might be. I love all that with the, the sailors and chucking the guns and all of that. Um, uh, the, the 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 music, of course, uh, is the is the headline act in Doctor Who, the music, the uh, twelve-inch uh, vinyl record that I had and listened to over and over again in an attempt to try and think it was a bit like watching the episodes. This was before you could get them on video or anything, uh, and and I'd, I'd you know I'd read about the Sea Devil's Suite and about it being you know one of the first sort of long you know full compositions for a for a story. Uh, and I have to say, when I put it on the record, I thought that there's something wrong with the record player. I thought it was at the wrong speed. I didn't know what it... And I went, oh, no, that's... Um, I mean, it's you know, it sounds like a a, a, a cat coughing up a furball whilst, you know, DJing. <laughs> um, and I, and I, it was nothing like... It was nothing like the... Uh, you know the more musical radiophonic workshop stuff from the latest that i love that uh in in conference that's again that's that that, that just that uh, you come when i'm ready for you but he's not 
a bullish officious type um but that's that's inherent in the role and in in, in, in who he is in a way but as a as, you know as as in what he represents rather than his personality and I, I love that it's just a lovely little character touch of him you know going about his golf and not wanting to see anybody or be interrupted <laughs> he's great clive morton is the is the subject of a of a famous john gilgood um anecdote gilgood famously always put his foot in it and uh, clive morton was with in a in a production with gilgood and knocked on the dressing room door and said uh johnny can i have a word and gilgood goes oh thank god it's you i thought it was that terrible bore clive morton <laughs> but i believe uh, morton used to tell that anecdote uh, against himself <laughs> oh bless him um He's not hugely old there. I think he's. he's I, I don't think he's even seventy there because I think he, he. And he died only a couple of years later. Is this seventy? This is made in seventy one. I think he died about seventy five. Uh, and he was only seventy two when he died. I think something like that around those figures. Look it up. But but yeah, he's not as he's not as old as you'd think, uh, and he wasn't massively long for this world uh, in comparison. Uh, but it's a lovely performance. I think he's a very sweet character, and I and I, uh, you know, Malcolm Hulk is doing interesting things. It's more prominent in the book, but you know, the character of Trenchard is a is very patriotic, and you know that's something that you know Hulk would have would have been quite cynical about, um, you know, and and Hulk as a one time member of the, the the Communist Party. You know, he was he he he, he was very interested in sort of satirizing the british establishment and all those things of empire and you know and and, and people like um trenchard who would have been his natural sort of political enemies if you like but he d he does it with compassion i think it's a good writer who it's easy to satirize the colonel blimp you know and to have made trenchard an idiot and un unlikable and you know probably thrown in a bit of you know racism into the mix if you if you if you, if you wanted to i mean that would be the the shorthand these days i think which in itself is becoming a bit of a a lazy shorthand um uh you know i think we need to i think we need to i, I think i think most of us you know are, are on board with the idea that that racism is is bad so um you know we need more interesting shorthands for 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 villainy than than nationalism um and and patriotism i think is is very interesting because you know it's a, it's an understandable drive in 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 many ways and uh and the fact that it is used against that's a lovely call back to the to the gulf uh the fact that it's used against trenchard um you know says 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 a lot about a lot about him a lot about what the master understands a lot about what what Trenchard represents it's but but it's but it's ultimately rather compassionate and ultimately and, and although the book has a sting in the tail and that in itself is is something that will you know gives gives it an extra little bit of color that we'll talk about in episode four I've already mentioned in episode one you know Trenchard's death when it happens um has a has a bittersweet piece of comedy about it but uh, i think you get a lot of that from from clive morton's performance which i think is uh, you know has a has a real sadness about it 
Um, but he's not sad himself. But he, you know, he what what he represents, um, and it's it's compassionately done by Hulk, who who I think d just judges the the satire just right. Um, and we're about to have a, a, a wonderfully long <laughs> fight scene, which again, when you're watching this in not great quality, it's just a bit. Oh, come on, get on with the story. But actually, it's uh, you know, it's very, it's 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 actually very nicely, um, it's it's very nicely put together. And the master is doubled for some of the shots by Derek Ware. Now, Derek told me it's because Roger Delgado had, had hurt himself in a car accident, but I don't know if he. Uh, that, so that's Derek with his back to us now. Um, Derek Ware, excellent uh, stuntman, the man, the founder of uh, Havoc, uh, and just a, a, a lovely chap. One of the first Doctor Who people I met, actually. Derek, there was a there was a fight prize named after him at RADA, um, and and but unfortunately he was scuppered by the fact that that uh, new rules introduced around this time meant that uh, uh, you couldn't be a stuntman and an agent. So the Havoc agency was suddenly not allowed to be giving giving work to other stunt people and it just yeah and he, he never quite he was always a bit bitter about that Derek unfortunately um which is a shame because he was a lovely very helpful man and, a, and very good at his job um and one of the first Doctor Who people I interviewed as it were I left a questionnaire for him but then I I, I worked with him subsequently he's been to my house for tea then I, of course I did the did the Havoc documentary with him so there's but there's I've, I've, and, and he but I'd met him first but I'd seen him first because my, my brother had been doing some uh you know, a little little piece in a theatre piece that that. So I saw him. I saw him chopping off the heads of. Oh, I can't remember who the actors were now. One was Stephen Watson, who was a Marshman, who's no longer with us. Um, young actor. Um, and uh, but yes, so I I I don't know if Delgado had had a car accident or whether whether Derek was mixing that up with the fact that subsequently Roger Delgado sadly died in a car accident. But he he certainly suggested that uh, Delgado had. Uh, injured his ribs I think or something and I think this is a terrific that's great that's great that's just a million dollars that I love that and I I remember my girlfriend at the time so I was at sixth form college when this was repeated um I remember her watching the sea devils and thinking it was pretty good and I remember her enjoying that cliffhanger go wow that was really good and of course if a if a lady uh particularly one in whom you're you know romantically smitten with whom you're romantically smitten also likes Doctor Who. I, I think perhaps then that I once that this repeat season was over, we then still had to watch Doctor Who once a week. Uh, was one of the, yes, uh, that's, <laughs> uh, the things we do when we're younger. It's I think it's all right to separate business and pleasure, and I'll let you decide <laughs> which 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 was my girlfriend and which of those was Doctor Who. Um, but anyway, good thanks, Rachel, for watching The Sea Devils with me and letting us continue our Doctor Who watch after that. And I'm glad you liked The Sea Devils. Um, she's very happy now because um, she's not with me. Uh, we are Facebook friends, though, so uh, that's nice. Um, I shouldn't think she... I wonder if she does watch Doctor Who now. Who knows? Um, listen up. So what do I like about... Well, I like a lot about that. Um, the cliffhanger is excellent, but there's a lot of good cliffhangers. I think I might. I'm putting it out there so I don't forget. Sometimes when I get to the bonus thing, I'm terrible. And I and I suddenly panic and everything goes out of my head. And I go, oh, I like those shoes. 
I, I, I'm gonna. Th I think maybe the cliffhangers might be my bonus thing because that first cliffhanger was great. That one's superb. The one for episode four is terrific. Um, it does well for cliffhangers. This story. Um, so I might. I might choose. I might choose. I because I could have co chosen the cliffhanger for that. I love Pertwee eating his sandwich. I love all of that. I'm a sucker for that because there's a bit in the. Day of the Daleks isn't there where he has a scrap whilst uh, drinking a glass of whiskey cool as cool AF as uh, the modern people say um, uh, I do like the gulf in conference um, and Trenchard I think Trenchard is absolutely lovely um, the master in naval uniform I love I think the Doctor and Joe. Ah, oh, and the wires and the exploding radio. What is not to love about the Doctor's greeting to the sea devil where he basically goes, oh my God, here's an alien monster point with a with a gun. I'm going to say, how can I help you? Oh, I love that. And the fact that Pertwee does it, you know, with, with sort of a look of, he's got shock on his face, but he's trying to maintain his composure. It's beautifully judged. Oh, I love this. Don't you love this? Don't you love this? It's not a story that's ever been in my top tens or even a 10 out of 10 or anything like that and it's from an era as i say which was always a little bit of a disappointment to me because of you know the shadow of the target books i'm loving this i think it's a brilliant production i think it's got it's got enough about it that i also i think sometimes that that that, that sort of let's let's dicks put was a little bit samey feeling but as i go back to it no each each i think it's because i watched a lot of them at the at around the same time actually you go back to each each one i did curse of peladon not long ago and that has a unique flavor to it and this again has so many sort of little visual touches and certainly our you know the music there's sort of you know audio touches to it um the sound design well done tony milia um that, that that mark it out and obviously the sea setting as well i'm this is wonderful i'm loving this uh but what to choose the doctor and his wires i like that i i, I keep i'm going back to trenchard and trenchard and his and his golf, um, but just the character because you know the uh, uh, and I think they did do well with that scene where he's buying the master time, which could have been you know slightly an annoying awkward comedy where nobody's quite where you go well no but somebody would just say oh get, get you know you get, get lost this is too transparent and I think they actually judged that whole potentially quite difficult scene well the Doctor and Joe's embarrassment is quite. It's quite. It's almost quite touching in 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 places. You you feel sorry for him, even though actually he is pulling the wool over their eyes. So uh, don't quite patronise him. He may be an old bluffer, but he's actually being calculating. So it works on a number of levels. That. Um. And I like the sword fight and the sandwich, uh, but I so so shall I say, Trenchard. Because it, we might actually get Trenchard for episode four, but if I choose something for say episode two that Steve chooses for episode four, um, I, I still get the point for that. Uh, that's not cheating. It, it, I mean, it's still massively loaded against me. Uh, you know, unless he, you know, chooses a particular moment of Trenchard's in episode four, which is unique to episode four, in which case I can't have it. But I will choose Trenchard, but I will also, you know, I think that umbrella covers, you know, the gulf uh, the golf scene and and the bluffing scene, which isn't a particular favourite, but I think it it could have been it could have not worked, and they make it work. So hats off to that. So, but all of that I think touches upon the fact that Trenchard and Clive Morton are a very strong 
element of the story, although I wonder if he's going to choose the master in naval uniform because, God, Delgado looks so good. Um, right, what's Steve going to choose? My thing for episode two is Trenchard. Colonel Trenchard played by Clive Morton. Uh, yes! This particular performance always, for me, brings back memories of one of my very favourite films, Kind Hearts and Coronets, which also features Clive Morton playing a prison governor. Uh, of all things it's uh, there he is tending to Dennis Price in his last moments before he is due to be executed and then um, and then and then letting, letting him go on uh, as the pardon comes down um so Clive Morton Trenchard is an ex-colonial type who feels very hard done by and deep down he knows he's been betrayed by the empire he's dedicated himself to now this uh feeling of deep dissatisfaction with how his life's turned out allows him to excuse anything uh, in his own behaviour if he can rationalise that he's acting for his country and that makes him easy meat for the master as uh, as uh, the doctor points out to Captain Hart his weak point is his patriotism so he's, he's, he's very easy, people who tend to have that unthinking patriotism tend to be very easy prey for people to whisper in their ears and turn that uh, th- those feelings into something nasty and that's precisely what happens with um, with Trenchard the master manipulates him and then when he doesn't need him anymore he casts him aside and at the end does Trenchard realise what's been happening possibly, possibly not uh, but by the time he realises that he's been lied to in a sense well he has been lied to in episode four there isn't time for him to be redeemed merely to die bravely but futilely which is a bit of a metaphor for the end of the british empire from the staunchly anti-imperialist malcolm hulk i love malcolm hulk's stories Um, he's uh, as i think almost everybody knows he's uh, he was a card-carrying member of the communist party of great britain uh, as uh, as as indeed uh, was i uh, uh, and, and well, I, I, I continue to be. Uh, yeah, so Malcolm Hook, someone I've got uh, a lot of time for as a writer, uh, and I like his politics as well. So that's my thing from episode two, Trenchard. Ah, that's 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 very interesting, and um, yeah, that's of course I'd, I've I I I knew Steve was uh, uh, a, a gentleman of the left. Um, and that's a very this is this is why it's great when people choose a story uh, and they bring that very much their own. So, Steve, we've got the, the naval thing. We've also got his you know connection with Malcolm Hulk's uh, politics. I find that interesting. I, I, too, am of the left. I'm not. I don't think I'm as far left as Steve. But what what whereas when I was younger, you know, the 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 jabs at Trenchard were very much my meat and drink because a lot of patriotism, you know, what is it? The, the last refuge of the scoundrel. It's it's foolish. And, and it and it is. And what, what, what you know, what, what, what Steve, what Steve very, you know, rightly put, I say it is, I'm, I'm going to add nuance to that. And um, what's, you know, what Steve talks about there is how, you know, that, that harking back to, you know, the ephemeral, um, uh, nature of you know what empire is and and all of that thing and the and uh, those those glory days um and you know lost lost greatness or whatever is is what opens trenchard up for manipulation and of course people's patriotism has been used by um people with nefarious intent to whip up 
you know all sorts nationalism frenzy uh, and you know unpleasantness genocide to the to the to the to the greatest I- I- extreme um and so obviously you know satirizing that or or, or or showing the folly of that is something that really you know, really excited me when i was younger as, as i get older i'm su- i'm slightly more compassionate towards trenchard i'm I, and, and i you know i do feel pangs of patriotism i do understand why we like what is familiar i understand why we are tribal that doesn't necessarily mean we should allow ourselves to listen to those those pulls that pull us towards what is familiar i'm actually writing a podcast now about about why we resist change and it's because we like what we know that makes us feel comfortable um and that's why you know patriotism is 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 such a prevalent thing because we like what we are surrounded by you know i, 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 I you know as I, as i'm not particularly from a place although i was brought up in the in the same place you know it, it always amuses me when liverpool pudley and say liverpool is the best place in the world mancunian say manchester's the best place in the world you go is is it that or is it just that's cuz what you're familiar with and, or, or is, and it's just a massive coincidence that it all so happens to be the best in the world it might just be that it's because it's what you're used to um uh, and so that that always amuses me when people are very, uh, you know, love their hometown the best, despite sometimes it's the most beautiful city in the world, despite, you know, despite much evidence to the contrary. But I, you know, I'm amused by that and that interests me. So anything that sort of cocks a snook at uh, patriotism and, and exposes it for, you know, that it can be sometimes be misplaced or hypocritical or or, or, or flawed or whatever. I, 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 I'm not as dismissive in the sense that I, I'm compassionate to where it comes from. I understand. And I actually think there is something to be said. And I'm a bit like this with religion as well. Something to be said for subsuming yourself in 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 in, in today's society. What's very interesting is where where a lot of young people, particularly, are, are are encouraged to sort of go. Well, I'm I'm special again, despite massive evidence to the contrary. Um, and and you know you find a, a, a lot of sort of foot stamping and look at me and listen to me, ra- rather than you know a sense of community a sense of duty a sense of whole which comes from you know an adherence to a, a flag or an idea of a nation or whatever so whilst i'm i'm aware of um how you know the folly of of patriotism i also think it, it behoves us to understand where that comes from and actually the, the you know the sort of more positive elements of it sometimes in terms of community in terms of as i say subsuming your own individual needs to that of a greater whole which is what creates community so yes whereas patriotism and its worst can be a bit too inward looking and rejecting of the outside uh, it can also be protective and nurturing if used correctly so like a lot of ideas and like a lot of things there are good in good and bad and we shouldn't reject something out of hand because it can be used to manipulate people like trenchard or to uh, you know or to distract us from reality or to or to bring out our worst qualities like like anything uh, it can also um, you know bring out our best and exists for a reason so I'm, I'm and, and I think what the sea devils does well is that whereas you know as I say when I was younger I was like yeah that's brilliant because it's 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 having a go at patriotism which is just like stupid man um, uh, I now go well it, yeah it's it's great that it sort of satirizes that you know the, the 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 arcane obsolete empire attitudes of trenchard it also sort of has sympathy for them and i think that's a 
that's a maturer way of of dealing with it i always use the example of when i when i said to russell t davis you know about midnight and i went oh yeah doc two and the planet of the daily mail people thinking he'd go yeah i hate those people aren't they awful and instead he went well no uh you know i made the doctor seem like what he seems to those people the arrogant he didn't say this but you know what you would say now you know the metropolitan elite telling people you know ordinary people what to think and how to behave and coming coming along as sort of patronizing you know he says i'm clever doesn't he uh because i am clever um and you know you can see people who work every day of their lives uh, who've got their own thoughts with having somebody else coming down and saying yeah but you know you think that you're wrong and i know because i'm essentially better than you you can see why people go well hang on um uh and uh, and and so you know russell was not satirizing or criticizing those people in in midnight even though they are kind of you know daily mail mail readery in in some of their attitudes and behavior he's he's kinder than that he's more understanding than that and that makes it more nuanced and that means that you know yes you're making a point about a, a particular sort of ignorance but he's also you know the, the the joke is also on the doctor who's you know whose own um behavior and deportment and attitude you you know is also flawed and at fault and which is why he doesn't successfully communicate what he needs to communicate when in this situation he just happens to be right um so uh, you know it's always more interesting i think when a writer resists the temptation to 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 just f fling the bricks in one direction and i think that's what uh uh what what malcolm hulk does there um, although you know if if it's the doctor who after party and you want to throw any bricks in one direction please please do uh, right um that was yes so that's very and, and i got the point so a third of the way through the sea devils it's even stevens between myself and steve hatcher we both chose trenchard as played by clive morton yes client hearts and coronets he's also in uh, olivier's richard the third with patrick troughton so uh, that's Martha Marvellous. I'm very much enjoying The Sea Devils. Uh, see how the Doctor escapes from that flung knife and that brilliant camera move um, with me making a mental note to say maybe my bonus thing will be the cliffhangers unless something else unless something else strikes my fancy or I, uh, I just forget I've done this and choose something terrible. But for now, uh, thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Steve Hatcher. Very interesting fellow. I uh, hope you've been enjoying watching The Sea Devils along with me and that you come to do it for episode three, uh, which is on the next edition of Happy Times and Places. Thank you so much for listening and take care. I am extremely grateful to you for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Steve Hatcher, who can be found on Twitter at Stephen underscore Hatcher, and Stephen is with a P-H, at Stephen Hatcher. I'd like to thank him and also the patrons who make these podcasts possible and ensure that they remain ad-free. They include Reese Williams, Rich Wiggins, Peter Ware, Gavin Ware, Alistair Wallace, Jeff Walker, Gary Wales, Lee Wakerley, John Turner, Fan Man Sang, Sidney Trout, Jason Thompson, Paul Taylor Greaves, Adam Stone, David Spofforth, David Spencer, Richard Smith, Trevor Smith, Brian Sinclair, 
Paul Shields, John Sheehan, Frank Shales, Edward Salt, Samuel, Tom Selinsky, Gavin Rymill, John Rumfitt, Darren Rule, and Alex Rowan. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Kevin Patterson. Yes, patrons, you can be one of those by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month you get bonus material, extra releases and exclusives. Um, you're also six months ahead with these, so whenever you're listening to this, this is old news. Oh, my goodness me. Um, I mean, the good sign is that um, that the nuclear war that <laughs> seems imminent uh, hasn't happened yet. So that's nice. It's a bonus six months we've all had. <laughs> And look, I know times are tough, and if the financial thing doesn't appeal, although if you want to do a one-off, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. If you uh, can't submit yourself to the monthly thing, but occasionally want to chuck me a few pennies, that's uh, that's a slightly different model that might be uh, more to your way of doing things. However, I understand that finances and times are tough. What costs you nothing is to go to iTunes and to give these five stars. That really, really does help. And perhaps a few lines of review as well. And if you're a listener in the States or in Canada or in Australia, I value you very much. And I've always been made to feel very welcome uh, in those places. And, uh, you know, I think uh, particularly American listeners have always responded well to m- because I sound like you expect English people to sound. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I've just been looking at the graphs and the vast majority of my listeners are in the UK. So if you're an American Doctor Who fan or an Australian or a Canadian and you've got mates who you think might like this, tell them! <laughs> Well, I'm not going to do much for this post-credits thing because I have to go and edit Indefinable Magic 16, which is all about alcohol. And it was all ready to go, and I just gave it one listen, and uh, Audacity now isn't even showing the dropouts, so I have to listen back. And there's three or four little dropouts, so I just need to uh, drop in takes of those where all the words are complete, and then I can release that to my patrons who will be expecting it around now. They expected it 13 minutes ago. Uh, and it won't have dropped because when you're a patron, you get three releases a week, which means that um, if you're paying three pounds a month, uh, did I work out that was 25p per podcast? That's not bad. So this is 25p's worth to a patron. Uh, so but this actually this end bit isn't supposed to be a plug for the patron. Sod it. It is today. This is a plug to become a patron. Now, obviously, the next people who listen to this are already patrons. So. Um, I'm telling you to do something you're already doing. So you need to do something else like be nice to a puppy or not tread on a butterfly. And, you know, why not try and achieve world peace while we're at it? Um, Anyway, uh, I hope everybody is very well. I am gearing up for a 10K run trying to raise money to send medical aid to Ukraine. By the time non-patrons listen to this, that will be over. Let's hope the war is over too. Um, But... um, if I'm if I'm still if I'm still there in six months, uh, I've managed to do the 10k and uh, live to tell the tale. But um, some subsequent happy times and places, I might be sounding a little puffed. Uh, anyway, um, I hope when you hear this, the world is a more peaceful place than uh, the one I'm recording it in. Love to you all. Although actually, hang on. Interestingly, this could well be. 
the last Happy Times and Places episode I record because I've got quite a busy week. I'm doing some Doctor Who DVD commentaries this week and I've got a couple of writing jobs. So I hope I get time to do some more episodes of The Sea Devils this week. But just in case I don't, this could be the last Happy Times and Places recorded before we know who Jodie Whittaker's successor as Doctor Who is. That's exciting, isn't it? So um, I expect you all to be um, writing off to get the autograph of the new Doctor, whoever it may be, H from Steps, perhaps, or Lembert Opic, former MP. Those, those are the, the, I've probably, I bet they've been suggested in the tabloids somewhere. Lembert Opic is the Doctor. Um, anyway, um, I'm, no offence to either of those gentlemen. I'm hoping for somebody with slightly more classical theatrical uh, qualifications but you never know uh, well i think we i think we do it's not going to be if it is either of them well i did mention peter capaldi in my one man show my stepson stole my sonic screwdriver before he was cast as doctor who um but uh, so who knows i could have just made something happen uh, doctor h <laughs> oh, heck.